This is the Dafyomi Masechta review, Masechta Yevamas tape number five. This review is only meant for people who learn Dafyomi on a regular basis or those who have learned through the Masechta. It is the goal of this review to be as accurate as possible in summarizing the highlights and key kolalim of the Masechta. However, it is possible that on occasion something will not be reflected correctly. For subscription information, call us toll-free at 1-888-DAFYOMI or write DAFYOMI Tapes, P.O. Box 831, Muncie, New York, 10952. This tape is dedicated in memory of Harav Yehuda Aryeh ben Harav Yaakov Tuvi Halevi Heber, Zichronul of Rocha. Our Magid Shir is Rabbi Yossi Heber. This tape is in the Sachtas Yavamas. We're holding on Daf Tzadik Dalad, Amar Aleph, at the Mishnah. As background, we know in Parak Ha'isha Rabbah, we had a case where a woman was left without a husband. Her husband disappeared somewhere. She doesn't know whether her husband died or not. So normally we would say that unless we have witnesses to testify to the fact that the husband was nifter, she would not be allowed to remarry. And she could sit for the rest of her life without being able to remarry because she could potentially still be married to that man if he is in fact alive. We know that the general rule by Arias is Ein Dabr Shaba'erba Pachas Mishnayim. You need two witnesses in anything that's dealing with Arias in order for a testimony to actually be chal. However, when we're dealing with a woman who is alone, we have a little bit of a kula in the fact that we don't necessarily need two witnesses to determine the fact that the husband died, but rather as long as we have one witness, that would be sufficient. Because we say Mishum Iguna Hikilu Be'erabanan. Since she could potentially be an Aguna for the rest of her life, she could sit without a husband for the rest of her life, we were makel and we said that she could rely on one aid, that her husband died, and therefore she could remarry based on the testimony of this one aid. The question here that we have in this Mishnah is what if it's the other way around? What if we have a husband who doesn't know whether his wife was nifter or not? Can we rely on one aid or not? So the Mishnah says, if someone's wife went overseas and one aid came and told him that she died, so then he now went and married his wife's sister. Normally his wife's sister is an erva, but given the fact that they have this testimony, he went and married his wife's sister. If the first wife turns out to be alive and she shows up, so now it ends up he's married to both of them, he can then go back and marry his first wife. The Beis Yosef says that Rashi indicates that one witness is sufficient to establish a wife's death, just as one witness is sufficient to establish a husband's death, as we learned in Perak HaIsharaba on Daf Pechas. The Rishayim, however, maintain that two witnesses are required to establish a wife's death before a man is permitted to marry his wife's sister. The Nebuch Yasef explains that the leniency of accepting a single witness, as we saw, is based on the concept of Mishumiguna Hikilu Be'erabanan. They were lenient for the sake of a woman who was waiting in solitude by, by herself for evidence of her husband's whereabouts. He says that this concept of Iguna is not applicable here, since this man can marry any woman he wants. We know that a man can marry more than one wife, but here, all we're talking about is his wife's sister. So really, he can marry anybody he wants, he just can't marry his wife's sister. Therefore, we do not afford him the leniency of relying on a single witness. Presently, that we're under the cherem of Rabbeinu Gersha, against marrying more than one wife, the place can discuss whether a man is permitted to marry a second wife based on a single witness attesting to his wife's death. The Beishmul rules that a single witness is not enough. He says that he halachically presumes as being married, and is prohibited because of Acheskes Isser until his wife's death is established by two witnesses. However, the Karban Asanel says that the concept of Mishumiguna should apply. He says that if he cannot rely on a testimony of one witness, 
he may be restricted indefinitely from remarrying. Therefore, the same enactment permitting a woman to remarry upon the testimony of a single witness would apply to him as well. And the Gemara here says, there was a question if this Mishnah is like Rabbi Akiva or not. Moving on to Daf Tzadikei. If someone has relations with the sister of his wife, he doesn't become usher to his wife. However, there's a machlaikis if one has relations with his mother-in-law, if he becomes usher to his wife. The Gemara says it's a machlaikis between Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Yehuda, but we paskin like Rabbi Yaisi, and there was a question about exactly what his shita was between Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Yitzchak. There was a question whether a Yavama is considered like an Ashish Ish or not. The next Mishnah. They told him that his wife died, so he went and married his wife's half-sister. They told her that she died too, so he married his sister, and so on and so forth. And they found out everyone was wrong. So he can go back to the unrelated wives and the tsars. A Yavam, who is nine years plus one day old, once he has Bia, it counts to passel her from marrying the other brothers. And the Gemara says, a nine-year-old can only passel if he did the Bia before the brothers did anything else, not if they did the Maisa. According to Reb Meir, a nine-year-old can not only make Chalais Yibam, but he can even give a get and Maimer to affect the circumstances. The next Mishnah. If a nine-year-old had relations with the Yavama, and then his nine-year-old brother also has Bia with her, it passels her because we say Yesh Maimer Achar Maimer. According to Reb Shimon, the second Bia means nothing. If a nine-year-old has Bia with his Yavama, and he then dies, so we say since there's still some Zika from this nine-year-old. The Gemara says not only does the Bia of a nine-year-old have the din of Maimer, but even a young man who hasn't brought Shtei Saras up to the age of age 20, his Bia is also considered Maimer. If a Katn or a Shaita gets married and then dies, there is no din of Yibam regarding that marriage. The Gemara says there was a Machlekes in the base Knesses in Tferia between Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yaisi regarding a certain beam that had the din of Keli in reference to carrying it on Shabbos. And the Machlekes got so violent that a Sefer Teira was ripped. So Rabbi Yaisi said, I'd be surprised if this shul doesn't eventually have Avaydazara in it, the Kachava. Later, it was affected by Avaydazara. The Gemara says in the same way that when Yehoshua said halachas, everyone knew it was from Meishu Rabbeinu, Mipir Meishu Rabbeinu, so too when Rabbi Lazar said over Teira, everyone knew it was from Rabbi Yechanan. That's that exam. Rabbi Yechanan said in the name of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, anytime they say over the words of a Talmud Chacham in this world, the lips of that Talmud Chacham move in his kever. It's like chiyas of that Talmud Chacham. And finally, the Gemara says, if someone doesn't bring simanim, we consider him a cotton. But if he reaches the majority of his years, i.e. age 35, we call him a saras. In other words, we admit that he was born with this particular chasarn. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin the 11th parak, Naisin al Hanusa. The Mishnah. Background. A person cannot marry the mother, sister, or daughter of his wife. And the Mishnah says, but he is allowed to one of these three if he married a woman via Inus, through coercion, or Mefuta, through persuasion, which aren't very strong marriages. And the Gemara says, nonetheless, the Rabbanan made a Takana that in the case of Inus and Mefata, one shouldn't marry the close relatives. A person is not allowed to marry the Anusa of his father. The next Mishnah. If a Giyaris was Miskayar together with her children, if one of these children dies, the other brother is Pater from Yibam and Chalitza, since the Zerah of a guy isn't considered Zerah, so they're not really like brothers. And the Gemara says, In fact, according to Ravacha, these brothers can marry each other's wives since the Zerah of a guy isn't like Zerah, or because we say, Gershon Iskayar Kekotten Shenoilad Dami. 
And finally, the Gemara says, even if two brothers are twins, there's no chalitza and no yibam, unless the conception was bikedusha. So they'll be considered real brothers. Tafsariches. Goyim are not considered to be relatives to each other, so there's no din of she'er, lineage. Therefore, a ger can marry the wife of his brother. If a Talmud Chacham tells you a halacha before a maisa happened, we listen to him. But if he says it after the maisa happens, we must be careful since the opinion might be biased. The Gemara says Hashem spoke to Yoyna two different times about Nindaveh until he finally acted. We know that this is Aftaira Wilain on Yom Kippur. If a ger has a child where the birth itself was Bikadusha, so there is a din of She'er through the mother, but not through the father. And finally, the Gemara says if someone's Jewish wife dies, the mother-in-law remains usher to marry. Next Mishnah. Five women each had a child, and the children get mixed up. We don't know whose kid is whose. The sons grew up, and then they died. So it's a suffix how and if you do yibam. So each woman gets four chalitzas, then a yibam. The Gemara says first you must do the chalitzas, then you do the yibam. Sometimes, due to these types of svekas, a man can have to do chalitza to his mother, sister, or daughter. And the Gemara says there is a case possible where someone can sell his father to allow his mother to collect a ksuva, i.e. if the father was an evid. This chiddush is like Rameir, that an evid has a din of metaltalin, and we can collect metaltalin for a ksuva. The next Mishnah. If a woman mixed up her son and her grandson, and then there is death of these two, so they do chalitza. If a kohenes had her son mixed up with the son of an Evan, they can both eat truma, since either they're either considered the son of a kohen or the son of an Evan of a kohen, either which can eat truma. But both cannot become Tommy Mason, since one of them is a real kohen. And the Gemara says, when they come to collect their portion of truma, according to Rabbi Yehuda, they must come together, since you can't give truma to an Evan, since people may think the fact that he gets truma gives him the yichus of a kohen. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the Evan can collect separately. The Gemara says there are ten people who we don't give truma to at the site of the base Hagranos, at the site of the silo. This includes a cheres, shaita v'katan, and a dragonus, tumtum, evet, isha, aurel, and an aurel is considered a person who didn't have a bris mila because two or three of his brothers died, a tame, or a kayan, who married an isha who was puzzle. Instead, we just send the truma to their houses, except, of course, for the case of a tame and a kayan who married a puzzle who don't get any truma. Dafkuf. A woman doesn't get truma at the silo either because they may accidentally give it to her after she's divorced, if she's a Bas Yisrael, of course, now she can't eat truma anymore, or because we're afraid of Yichud. The Gemara says when we distribute Meiser Ani, we give to the women first, because it's degrading to make the woman wait. However, when we deal with Din Torah, we deal with the men first, since a man has more mitzvahs to do, and he needs the time more. The Mishnah as background. We know if a woman gets divorced, she must wait three months before remarrying so we can see if she has a child, we'll know if it was from the first husband or the second husband. And the Mishnah says, let's say she didn't wait, and she got married immediately, and she had a kid, and we don't know if this child is a Ben Tisha Larishan or Ben Shiva Liachran. So if the Suffolk child dies, the other children can only do Chalitza, not Yibam, because it's a question of Eshazach Minaem. If the child is a Suffolk Ben Yisrael, or a Suffolk ben Kayan to the second husband, then he can't make a Grusha or become Tameh since he might be a Kayan. Finally, the Gemara says there are three women who we allow to be Mishtamesh Bamaich, i.e. they can have Tashmish Hamita utilizing the cloth in the Makam HaErva to prevent them from becoming pregnant. Who are these three women? Number one, a Katana. Number two, a pregnant woman. And number three, a Meinika, a nursing mother. These are all because of Sakana. If a girl is under the age of 11, she doesn't use a maich since it's not possible for her to become pregnant anyway. Dafkofalov. 
This questionable child will not be chayev if he hits or curses his father, since it's a suffix if this man is actually his father or not. But if he hits both of them, both which could, one of two of which is surely his father, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, B'zacharzeh, he's pater, but B'vasachas, he's chayev. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin the twelfth parak, Mitzvah's Chalitza. As background, we know that if a man refuses to take his sister-in-law and do yibam, then he does chalitza. And the Mishnah says, the mitzvah of chalitza, the ceremony itself, must be done in front of three dayanim, even if these three are just hediotos. Ideally, a sandal should be used, but if they use a leather shoe, it's also kosher. But a chalitza that's done with a sack is a chalitza psula. And the Gemara says, you don't need three members of a bezdin, but you just need three people who know how to read Hebrew, even if they're just hediotos. The Ramah says, today we take Talmidei Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda says here that you need five people, actually, to witness the Chalitza. Rabbi Yosef said, just like all members of a Bezdin must be pure, they have to be free from all blemishes, i.e. a Dayan cannot be blind. So if the people needed for Chalitza must be members of a Bezdin, you couldn't use a blind person to, as a witness for the Chalitza. The Gemara says that Dayanim must see the saliva mamish come out of the chalitza's, the chalitza's mouth, not just that they see the saliva already in the shoe. The Gemara says any bezdin used for chalitza must be only a bezdin of Yisraelim, not Gerim. And after the act of chalitza, all of those assembled say, chalutz hanoel. The Hilchasa, the Gemara says, for chalitza we need three Dayanim for chalitza, since it's a stam mishnah, and the only bar plukta of Yehuda brought other cases also proving that he was maida by this case of chalitza, that three is okay. This is particularly brought down in Masech the Sanhedrin, where he brings down a number of sacks, including Egla Arufa. The Gemara says in advance of the chalitza, the night before, the Bezdin determines the specific place that the chalitza will take place. And finally, the Gemara says, although you only need three Dayanim Lahalacha for chalitza, they used to use five anyway, so the word would spread very well that she is mutaras lishuk. It's called pirsume milsa. However, these extra two should sit separate from the three basic people who are part of the Bezdin. Tafkuf Bez. Although a Ger can't be part of a regular Bezdin, but he can be part of a Bezdin to judge another Ger. The Gemara says the meaning of the world is to use a sandal for Chalitza, not a shoe that has a full shell. Since the woman must take off an item directly from the foot of the man, i.e. a sandal, which is called Me'al Raglov, you shouldn't use a shoe that has laces which is really a regular shoe, because then what, he's, what she's doing is she's taking off me'al de me'al. She's not just taking off from on top of the foot from what's on top of the foot, mamish, with the laces. First you untie the laces, that's on top of the me'al. A yavama becomes muteris l'shuk at the moment she takes off the shoe from the yavama's foot, and most of the foot becomes exposed. Let's say the buckles were already untied, or he removed most of the shoe, and the chalitza is psula. What if instead of removing the shoe, she ripped it off, or she burned the leather off, then we say teiko. If a person wears two pairs of shoes and she removes the top shoe, chalitza is no good since she removed the me'al de me'al from the foot, not the, the me'al of the foot. In fact, Rabbi Yehuda used to wear multiple pairs of rubbers to the marketplace. So we see that there were people who wore multiple shoes. The Gemara says both people must have kavana for the chalitza or the chalitza is not good. And a sandal that was made with some linen cannot be used for chalitza. It must be 100% leather. But if there are some goat's hair on the straps of the sandal, then the chalitza is okay. A poor person, because he suffered so much in this world, this poor person will be moved quickly from Gehenim later on in Elam Haba. And Tzadikim will also be moved quickly from Gehenim. A stocking is also not considered a shoe for the purpose of chalitza. And finally, the Gemara says it is also to walk into the Azara of the Beis Hamikdash with shoes. 
and it is usher to wear shoes on Yom Kippur. In fact, even leather stockings on Yom Kippur are usher. According to a mayor, a kitea, a crippled person, is allowed to go out with an artificial foot on Shabbos into a rishus harabim. This is a kav hakitea. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, he cannot. Interesting to point out that in Mesechtus Yuma, Dafayan test, Rabbi Yaisi is maida that this is mutter. And in fact, he can give a chalitza also. According to Rava, the key ingredient needed for a good chalitza is an item that protects the foot, not just something that covers it. According to Rameimar, before she removes the shoe, he must press the shoe against the ground, so she'll have to make an extra effort to remove it. Also, according to Rameimar, an amputee cannot give a chalitza. It's interesting to point out here that it's a machlekes rishaynim if an amputee, someone who has no foot, can give chalitza. According to Rashi, he can, but according to other rishaynim, which is how he paskin, he cannot. Pekabara says that Ya'el seduced Sisra, who was the enemy of Klal Yisrael, to have relations with her seven times in one day, and then she went and killed him. The question is, we know that she was a very big tzaddikus, but how can we praise her if she had such an evil pleasure with such a Russia like Sisra? The Gemara answers from Ibshim and Bar Yechai that a favor from a Russia is viewed as bad as the eyes of tzaddikim. The Gemara says when the snake came to Chava, he put Zayama into her. Zayama is an impure tumah. And Sisra also put Zayama into Yael. Lachatchila, it's best to use your own shoe for chalitza, but b'diavet, it's okay if it belongs to someone else, as long as it basically fits him. But if it's too large or small, then the chalitza is puzzle. The Gemara says the right shoe is the best one to use lachatchila, but b'diavet, the left shoe is also okay. One should not use a sandal for chalitza that has tzaras in it, even if it's at the beginning stages of the tzaras. We know that the beginning stages of tzaras, before we're sure, it's called a tzaras musker, but later on, we're 100% sure of it. It's saras, and it's called saras muchlat. The Gemara says a cloth that is at least 3 by 3 tfachim can be mekabal tuma and can be metama, other things. Rava says, v'hilchasa, that both a chalitza shoe, which has saras musker, muchlat, or if it was used for the foot of an avaydazara, should not be used lachatchila for chalitza. But by the evidence, okay. If, however, it was used for mamish avaydazara, or for an irani dachas, or if the shoe was set aside for tachriche hameis, that even bidi eved, it's no good for chalitza. the Mishnah. The chatchila, a chalitza should be done by day. If it was done at night, then it's okay also. Rabbi Lazar says it's no good if it was done at night. Chalitza should be done with the right shoe. If it's done with the left shoe, then it's no good. Rabbi Lazar says that is okay. I think Amara says, if after doing chalitza we find out that one of the dayanim was a karav or a puzzle, so the chalitza is puzzle. But Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yechanan Sandler say that it's okay, because even two witnesses are also fine for the chalitza. The Gemara says the limud of right foot for chalitza is learned from Marzea of an Eved in the fact that we pierce his right ear. It's interesting to point out that a lefty, a person who's a lefty, what does he do about chalitza? It's Rishainim, which foot we use. Ayin and Eben Ezer, Simen, Kuf Samaches, Sif, Chafhe. The next Mishnah. As background. The chalitza includes taking off the shoe, number one, spitting into the shoe, number two, and number three, reciting certain psukim. And the Mishnah says, if she made number two, in other words, she took off the shoe and she spit into the shoe, but she did not know number three, she did not recite the psukim, the chalitza is kosher. But if she did number two and three, but she did not do number one, she did not take off the shoe, then it's puzzle. If she did one and three, but she did not do number two, she didn't spit into the shoe, Rabbi Lezer says it's puzzle. Rabbi Akiva says it's kosher. 
Also, just as a Yavam must be an adult over the age of Bar Mitzvah, so to a Yavama the woman must be an adult. The Mishnah continues that if one of the three Dayanim was found out to be a Karayv or a Pasal, the Chalitza is Pasal. But according to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yechanan Asandler, we say that it's Kasher, since according to them, you don't need any Dayanim. Therefore, we Paskin, we need three. But according to them, we don't need any Dayanim. If one of them is Karayv or Pasal, it doesn't really matter, because we didn't need the three anyway. And the Gemara says, if one of the two people, the Yavam or the Yavam, is a mute and cannot speak, the Chalitza is invalid, since they're lab B'nai Kriya. But if they just hurt, hurt their mouths and they temporarily cannot speak in that moment, then the Chalitza is good, as long as they do Chalitza and the spitting, i.e. what we said in the Mishnah. This is similar to the Gemara Menachas, that we say according to Reb Zera, Kol Sharoi Labila, Ein Bila Ma'akeves. If a carbon has the capability, in of itself, of being mixed with flour and oil together, but just for that moment you didn't have the flour and the oil, then if you didn't mix them up, then it's not ma'akev. However, kol roi labila, bila ma'akevis. If it's a situation where it's not right to mix the two together, then the bila, the fact that you didn't mix it, is ma'akev, and the carbon is not good. Same thing here. If it has the lechatkhila capability to be done, you just didn't do it, then it's okay. But if they couldn't speak at all, they were never able to speak at all, then it's, it's similar to a case of roi labila, then it's ma'akev. The Gemara says if a Yavama only spat in front of Bezdin and did nothing else, she becomes disqualified from making Yibam with any of the other brothers. But she's not completely in a situation of Chalitza, so she still has to come back and make a new Chalitza in order for her to be Muteres Lishuk. A Karban is only Kasher if it has both the Shechita and the Zrika, which are done Lishma. Rikika by itself, without anything else, while it won't make her muteris l'shuk, will make her asura liyavam to all the other brothers. Because we say, kivin shleibana shuv lo yivna. Levi was once sent by Rebbe to be a rav in a village, and numerous shilas came up, which were eventually answered back in the base medrash. One shila was, if a woman has no hand, then they paskind, so she's allowed to untie the shoes with her teeth. And the second shila was, if she spits blood instead of saliva, we say that the chalitza is kasha. Rabba, the Gemara says, who was Isaac in Tyra, lived until age 40. Abaya, who was Isaac in both Torah and Gimilas Chasadim, lived until age 60. What's the big Chiddush here? We say that both of them needed a special Kapara, because they are both from the family of the base Eli. This entire family had been cursed that all people from the base Eli would die at the age of 18, because these Kehanim, which were part of that group, were mevatel many opportunities of the mitzvah of Piryah Berivya in the base Hamikdash because they, delow, they delayed the Karban Yeladais for women who were, came to the Beis HaMikdash. Therefore, since these two, since Rabbah and Abaya were both from the Beis Eli, they should have died when they were age 18, but because they had these special schusim, they died at a much later age. The Gemara says we know that a decree against an entire community can easily become bottle by a Tvila B'Tzibar, but Xera against a Yachid, the Yachid can only be mispal, be Yechidas, during the Aserah Simei Tshuva. That's the time that he could be mispal for that. Because we have the Pasuk of Dirshu Hashem Bihi Matzai, which says that during the Aserah Simei Tshuva, a person has the special ability to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara says everyone agrees that a Yavama must be over the age of Bar Mitzvah. But the Yavama, the woman, that's a Machlaikis, if a Katana is kosher. Rabbi Yaisi says she is kosher, but the Hilchasa, we paskin that she is not kosher. A person who is mispal after the Churban Beis HaMikdash, he should put his eyes toward the Makam HaMikdash, since the Shechina always rests there. One man, the says, no, it's not that you go in that direction, but rather you direct your Kavana toward Shamayim. Rabbi Yaisi says, the way to do it is to put your eyes towards the Beis HaMikdash, but your heart towards Shamayim. This is in fact what we do.
Avdan became a Metzera because he had a lack of Derech Eretz for Rabbi Yishmael in front of many Talmidim in the base Medrash. We pass in that we need a Bezdin of three in order to do Chalitza, but the Minig is to have five people actually present. Chalitza, which was done under a false assumption or without Kavana from both parties, is a Chalitza Psula. The Gemara says it's usher to attach a Tnai to a Chalitza. If it was put on, Tnai was put on, the Chalitza will be Chal anyways. The Gemara says when someone is Mechuyev to do something for free, and he doesn't want to, you're allowed to promise him a large payment, and then when he actually does the favor for you, you don't have to pay him the money. Because you could say, Mishata Anibach, I fooled you. As we learned from the case of the innocent man who was just released from jail, so now he has to get across the river to get out of the jail. So the ferry driver technically is Mechuyev to take him over for a very, very low price. But he didn't want to take him. So the Gemara relates the story that he fooled the ferry driver, said I would pay you a large sum of money, and I would pay you a high fare. And then when he got across, he said, I fooled you and therefore I don't have to pay you the high fare. The Gemara says Abayah's father and mother died when he was a young child. And the Gemara says if a condition is attached to a get and it isn't fulfilled, then the get is not chal. Mashen ken a chalitza is chal. However, a forced chalitza is not chal. But a forced get is chal. According to Reb Huna, Chalitza or Yivam can take place even if the Bezdin doesn't personally know the Yavam, the Mishnah. The process of Chalitza is as follows. The Yavam and Yavama come to the city of the Yavam, and the Bezdin advises them which to do. Should they do Yavama or Chalitza? For example, if there's a major age difference, then they advise against him doing Yivam, rather they advise him to do Chalitza. If they decide on Chalitza, then she reads from the Psukim, and he says, I don't want to take her. Both people must speak in Lashon HaKadosh. Then she removes the shoe from his foot and she spits into the shoe. The, uh, the Dayanim must see both of these procedures, taking off the shoe and spitting into the shoe. Then she says, And the Gemara says, The order of the mitzvah is Chalitza. First you do the Kriya. Then you do Chalitza's Hanoal. Then Rekika. Then the Kriya. But the Eved, this order doesn't have to be perfectly followed. We pass like Gemara Zutra that the entire parsha of Chalitza from the Torah should be written down. And the Gemara says if she spit and the wind blew it away before it hit the ground, the Chalitza is not Chal since it says Bifanav. At the end of the Chalitza, Reb Tarfin said to all the people present that they all should say Chalutz Hanal three times, i.e. because whenever a public statement proclamation is made, we say that proclamation three times. This marks the end of this parak. Now let's begin Parak Yud Gimel, Beis Shammai. The Mishnah. Beishamai says that Mion can only be done if Erison took place. We know that Mion is a declaration that this young girl who was married before she was the age of Bas Mitzvah, now there's a declaration made that this young girl doesn't want this marriage that was made to be Chal, so she gets a get. According to Beisillo, Mion can even take place if the Suin took place originally. But according to Beishamai, Mion can only apply by her husband in his presence and only once. But according to Beis Hillel, it can even be done by a Yavam, away from him, and away from Bezdin, and it can be done multiple times. And the Gemara says, According to Beis Shammai, there is no Mian by a Nesua, since people would think a Tanai is good by a Nesua. But according to Beis Hillel, Mian can only push aside a Maimer, but not a Zika. Rav says, If a woman did Mian to one Yavam, she becomes usher to all the other brothers for Yivam. According to Shmuel, she's mutter to the other brothers. According to Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, we need to do Mian in front of three people. But according to Rabbi Yaisi, we need to do it only in front of two people. The next Mishnah. What kind of case is it that a Katana marries and then requires Mian? 
formal refusal after she is 12 years old to release her from the marriage. The Mishnah answers, if her mother or brother married her off with her consent, this is considered a Kedushin de Rabbanan, and if it was done without her consent, however, she doesn't need me in at all, since the first Kedushin isn't even Chal. There was never her consent at all. And the Gemara says, at first, they wrote a long get for me, but then they shortened the Nusach, since they didn't want to mix this kind of a get up with the normal type of get. Tavkovchas. To, for, to perform Mian, all she needs to say is, I don't want him for a husband. Other formalities are not needed. Also, if she declared nothing, but just simply married someone else, then it's an automatic Mian to the first husband. Rebel Yezra says that a marriage of a Katana is like nothing. I.e., he gets none of her property, he can't be Matama for her, etc. But she just simply needs Mian. According to Rabbi Yeshua, she is like a wife, but Mian will help to be Mavatel the marriage.